friends, and welcome to the In My Lungs podcast. My name is Gabrielle Benefield. I'm your host, and I'm so excited that you are joining me today. In today's episode, I am going to be sharing a large part of my story and, you know, my experiences with depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that because, you know, in a way that's really all that I have to speak on, you know, is my experience and that's kind of the groundwork for my passion and, you know, the drive behind why I'm doing this podcast. You know, when I would speak in schools, I would say the same thing over and over and over again every single time I had it, you know, memorized and then I would speak at NAMI's like walks that we would do and things like that and I would say the same thing so it's kind of been like drilled in me kind of what I say and like I guess what I preach in a way telling a story of you know growing up in middle school and high school up until that point of you know being 19 and now you know I'm almost 23 I've experienced a lot more and you know gone through a lot of other things that have I don't know what what the word I want to use is maybe like broaden that perspective um and kind of changed I mean changed me as a person because you know that's what happens you go through things and they change you as a person so I feel like the way that I would tell the story now is a little different just because of like things that I know now and things that I've experienced now so I really kind of I want this episode to be that space to be honest and be vulnerable and be raw about those things. You know, I've done this for a long time, but it still is hard. It's difficult. It's painful in a way to constantly remind yourself of what you've been through. And in a lot of ways, I think that, you know, just as a person, I focus too much on the past. Whereas I need to, in a way, put it behind me and focus on, you know, what I'm experiencing now and the life that I'm living now because I think I like to live in my head and live in the past a little too much. So, you know, I want the narrative to change in that way of the way that I talk about past experiences and things like that because you can't live your life focusing on what you've been through you know, and I, in a way I do because I know that what I've been through and my story has been used as an encouragement to other people. And I, you know, want to continue to see that happen. But then, you know, it comes to a point where, you know, that's not healthy either. And I'm sorry for the background um, noise that you can hear you know what? I don't live in a big house. (laughs) Listen to my podcast so I can make money (laughs) and live in a big house one day. (laughs) And then you won't have to hear voices in the background. I'm doing the best I can. It's 11 a.m., almost 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It's hard to find a place to be quiet in my house. That's kind of what I want to zero in on today and kind of dive into today. Let's get into it. Okay, picture this with me. You can close your eyes or you can not close your eyes, but get this mental image in your head. You're swimming underwater and 
you're trying to get to the top, but the weight of responsibilities, school, job, family life, relationships, all of these things that you are responsible for and that are demanding your attention and demanding your energy, they just keep weighing you down. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you strive to swim to the top, you can never reach it. And all you want to do is breathe fresh air. And the thing is, is you can see everyone else around you, they have the straight A's, they have the promotion, they have the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the designer clothes or the perfect family life or all the likes and the followers on social media. They have all of the things that you don't have and they are all swimming perfectly fine. That is what depression felt like for me. Depression felt for me like I was drowning and like I was the only one because I could see everyone else around me living their life doing their thing with everything that I don't have and that I want. And they're all perfectly fine. But I am left to myself, my mind. And I'm all alone. That is what... I firmly believed for a very long time. Um, I spent a lot of my high school years feeling like I was in this constant state of drowning. But the thing is, is if you looked at my life from the outside, if I never told you what I was going through and if I never told you what I was feeling, you never would have known. Because I also, you know, had the cute Instagram posts. I always had my hair and makeup done and I wore the cutest outfits and I had the best friend and, you know, I loved the Lord and I was constantly serving in my church and in my youth group and doing all the things. And in a sense, I would say that I was quote-unquote popular. I mean, I a lot of people knew who I was, but I didn't have a lot of close people in my life. Um, I had like one best friend <laughs> that stuck with me throughout middle school and high school, and that was it. Um, but I was happy on the outside. But on the inside, I felt like I was dying. And that is the nature of mental illness. It hides under this facade that sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it, but you're putting it on because no one 
could possibly understand or relate to what's under that mask that you keep. And so going back to this idea of a facade and this mask, um, that truly is how I lived for much of my middle school and high school years because, I mean, like I said in the last episode, you know, if I appeared happy all the time, then maybe I would be happy all the time. And I remember kind of training myself to think if somebody looks at you, you have to smile at them because if you don't smile at them and show that you're happy, then they're going to ask you what's wrong. And I remember thinking this in my like little 11 year old brain of like, I don't want somebody to ask me what's wrong because I don't want to tell them. And even at the time, like I didn't like even understand why I would think that because I didn't know what was wrong. But there was just something in me that was that now I can say was depression. And that's, I think, one of like the most kind of staggering things to me to like think back and remember as early as middle school, um, those moments and like those thoughts that I had had, like you have to smile when people look at you because you don't want to tell them what's wrong. Like, you know, I mean, when you're 11 and you don't know what's wrong yourself, of course you don't want people to ask you because it's like, I don't know, you know, but even like in those moments when I was kind of training my brain to think that way, like I didn't have a reason to think that anything was wrong and I didn't have anything that necessarily was wrong, you know, like I didn't fully realize the depth of kind of that thought until, you know, so many years later when I was like, you know, wow, I really used to think that. (laughs) Like, I really used to tell myself that. And, you know, it took a long time and a lot of retraining my brain for when people would be like, so how are you? Like, how's it going? It took a lot for me to remind myself that I could say, you know, it's okay. Or it's not, it's not going good right now. Like, I'm not good right now. Because I had trained my brain when people would ask me, like, oh, how are you? To say, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. Like, everything's okay. When maybe everything wasn't okay. And there were times that I had to, you know, go back and be like, you know what? Like, I, people would ask me, like, how are you? And be like, oh, I'm good. And then I'd pause and then be like, you know, actually I'm not. And that was like a really freeing place that I was able to get to. But it took a long time. (laughs) I mean, I was, you know, a junior, senior, graduated high school before I could even get to that place. And since then, there have been seasons in my life where I've been like, you know, 
like I'm just going to tough it out. It's going to be good. It's whatever. And then I have to remind myself like, no, Gabby, you can let people in and you can let people see behind that facade because if you don't kind of express that, then how can you expect people to be there for you when, you know, quote unquote, everything is fine. <laughs> um, okay, so going back to the whole constant state of drowning thing, you know, I really had gotten to a point that I fully believed that I could fall off the face of the earth tomorrow and nobody would care because nobody really cared that I was here in the first place. And that's, that's a hard place to be when you really just don't believe that you matter to anyone. Um, because once you have that belief in your mind, it opens the doors for Satan, really, to grab on and feed you all of these other lies. Um, because in the middle of this, as I'm going through this, you know, I'm 16. I just started my junior year. I was dual enrolling for the first time. Um, if you don't have, I don't know if dual enrollment is everywhere across the country, but at um, our local, which used to be a community college, but I guess now it's a four-year college. And I think they even do it at UF, but you have to like really be smart to dual enroll at UF. Um, Cause I live in the heart of Gator Nation. I live in UF town. Um, when you're a junior and a senior in high school, you can take college level classes and get college credit. So when I, because I was homeschooled my entire life, once I hit my junior year of high school, I took the test and I, you know, passed into taking college classes at my local college, um, not UF, but the other one, <laughs> um, for my junior and senior year of high school, which I ended up not doing my senior year, um, and how my junior year went will explain more of why, but basically I was, you know, a junior in high school, I'm taking these college classes, I'm going to school every day, um, serving at youth, doing all the things. Um, I really like saying that, by the way. I noticed that in my first episode that I've been saying all the things. <laughs> I literally never say that until now, I guess. Um, so, like, I'm living my life. I kind of have everything going for me, right? Um, I was on the worship team at my youth group and yada, yada, whatever. All the things. There it is again. <laughs> um but in and also in the middle of this I am seeing a psychiatrist for the first time I'm seeing a therapist for the first time and I'm taking psychiatric medication for the first time which I want to do an entire episode just focused on being a Christian and taking psychiatric medication because I really struggled with that um and I had to spend a lot of time like talking to my youth leader and just really kind of getting counsel 
about how it's okay to take psychiatric medication. I mean, I was, you know, like, shouldn't this just be something that I have naturally? Like, you know, if I'm praying for God to heal me and I'm praying for joy and I'm praying for these things, then why am I going to take a pill, you know, to fix that? Like, shouldn't God be fixing that for me? And shouldn't I be having that faith? And that was that was another thing that really messed me up for a long time. And I can, we can just totally dive in separately to that because that's like a whole other, the stigma of mental health in the Christian community. It ruined me for a long time. Um, and it's something that I want to talk about later on. Um but, you know, I, so I'm in this place and, you know, it's all uncharted territory, brand new experiences in the midst of all of this pain. But anyway, all of that to say that you can kind of picture what, like, the state of my life was at that current moment. And so in the midst of all of this, you know, I'm kind of coming to grips with being so depressed, so mind-numbingly depressed that I literally didn't want to brush my teeth most days. Um, I mean, I really went out in some questionable outfits because I just, I wouldn't brush my hair after taking a shower. I, you know, spent every second that I could in bed because if I was sleeping, then I wasn't experiencing the pain that I was feeling. So I just slept a lot. And that is when these other thoughts started to creep in. And these were the thoughts that told me, you know, if you really are as worthless as you feel, if you really don't matter to anyone like you think you do, if this is the ball and chain that you're going to have to walk around with for the rest of your life, then why are you still here? Why not just end it? all and be done because you know in my mind going through these things I truly never saw an ending I never saw a day where I was not so mind-numbingly depressed that you know I could just drink a cup of coffee for fun and not as a coping mechanism to survive the day. Um, So, you know, why not just take your life right now? Because nothing is going to get better and people are never going to care about you. And all those dreams that, you know, you grew up and you thought you had they'll never come to pass because you'll never 
find the will to push yourself to experience those things. So what's the point? And at that time in my life, that was terrifying to me because I had never, ever thought before that I wanted to hurt myself or that I wanted to kill myself until those moments. And I remember thinking, first thinking, I have to tell somebody about this. And then thinking, I can never tell anyone about this. Because at that point, I mean, I was pretty open about the depression that I was experiencing, sort of. Um, I think I felt like if I don't talk about it, then it's going to consume me completely. And... But this was like, no, you can never tell anyone that you ever thought about killing yourself because nobody will ever look at you the same again. And you're just always going to be known as the girl that wanted to kill herself or tried to kill herself. Because in those moments, I knew how easy it would be. You know, I had pills in my room I had knives in my kitchen and from that point on I couldn't let myself be alone in my house because it was that bad um and so I did tell somebody immediately you know I told my mom and that's a hard thing to do when you make your mom cry like you never want to do that and be that but here I was doing that um I remember I immediately texted my youth leaders because I remember exactly what I was doing and you know exactly how that night went and I remember thinking you know I wonder if anybody would react that way for me I wonder if people cared enough in that way for me. Or maybe if I did that, then people would care. And that is an incredibly devastating place to be because that is really just a place of total nothingness and total darkness that... I don't think you can understand unless you have experienced it because it kind of, you know, involves admitting to yourself like, yeah, nobody really does care about me like that. When, you know, in the reality, that was so far from the truth because I had so many people that loved me and cared about me and really fought for me during this time in my life. I mean, you know, I've said all throughout the years that I firmly believe the prayers of the people that cared about me is what kept me alive in the times that I couldn't pray for myself. You know, and I was so blessed to have 
people in my life that would call out these lies and would remind me of the truth even when I didn't see it and even when I didn't believe it. And they knew. They knew that I didn't believe them, but they continued to pursue me and remind me and be there for me anyway. Um, and that is what makes all the difference when you are in that place and when you are struggling and going through it. But anyway, all of that to say that you can kind of picture what like the state of my life was at that current moment. And so in the midst of all of this, you know, I'm kind of coming to grips with being so depressed, so mind-numbingly depressed that I literally didn't want to brush my teeth most days. Um, I mean, I really went out in some questionable outfits because I just, I wouldn't brush my hair after taking a shower. I, you know, spent every second that I could in bed because if I was sleeping, then I wasn't experiencing the pain that I was feeling. So I just slept a lot. And that is when these other thoughts started to creep in. And these were the thoughts that told me, you know, if you really are as worthless as you feel, if you really don't matter to anyone like you think you do, if this is the ball and chain that you're going to have to walk around with for the rest of your life, then why are you still here? Why not just end it all and be done? Because, you know, in my mind, going through these things, I truly never saw an ending. I never saw a day where I was not so mind-numbingly depressed that, you know, I could just drink a cup of coffee for fun and not as a coping mechanism to survive the day. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, why not just take your life right now? Because nothing is going to get better and people are never going to care about you. And... All those dreams that, you know, you grew up and you thought you had. They'll never come to pass because you'll never find the will to push yourself to experience those things. So what's the point? And at that time in my life, that was terrifying to me because I had never, ever thought before that I wanted to hurt myself or that I wanted to kill myself until those moments. And I remember thinking, first thinking, 
I have to tell somebody about this. And then thinking, I can never tell anyone about this. Because at that point, I mean, I was pretty open about the depression that I was experiencing, sort of. Um, I think I felt like if I don't talk about it, then it's going to consume me completely. And, but this was like, no, you can never tell anyone that you ever thought about killing yourself because nobody will ever look at you the same again. And you're just always going to be known as the girl that wanted to kill herself or tried to kill herself. Because in those moments, I knew how easy it would be. You know, I had pills in my room. I had knives in my kitchen. And from that point on, I couldn't let myself be alone in my house. Because it was that bad. Um, And so I did tell somebody immediately. You know, I told my mom. And that's a hard thing to do when you make your mom cry. (laughs) Like, you never want to do that and be that. Because here's the thing about vulnerability. It's hard. And it requires you honestly to go against everything that you're feeling in the moment to open up and let somebody else in to those hard things that you're experiencing. And I'm going to tell you right now that that is the only thing, that is the only way to get out. That is the only way to survive those hard and heavy and dark moments is by being vulnerable with those around you and letting people help you. Okay, now that I have fully immersed you guys in some sad stuff, um, really kind of the whole point of why I share my story and why I so honestly express the things that I've been through is because at this point in my life, I am able to say that I love my life and the things that I'm experiencing now in the life that I'm living today, I never would have had had I given in to depression and given in to suicide and given in to all of these things. In scripture, it says, you know, that, what what is it? Weeping may happen for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I had gotten to the place where I just fully believed that that wasn't true. Like, that's just a lie because obviously 
there ain't no joy happening in the morning for me. Um, but give it a couple mornings, <laughs> a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years. And joy does come in the morning. You know, some nights may be the hardest nights to get through and you don't think you're going to make it. But then you hold on and you do. And there is joy waiting for you in that. And I think we also like to confuse joy with just being happy. Because I can have a lot of days where I'm unhappy, but I have joy. Because joy is that constant state of, you know, this is given to me by the Lord and nothing can take it away. Nothing is more powerful than what the Lord gives. Um, and that's also something that I really had to learn at, you know, that time in my life. Um, and that has, you know, been monumental in getting to a place where I'm just comfortable with my emotions and comfortable with my thoughts, whatever they may be. You know, they may not be great thoughts, <laughs> but I can sit with them and I can be with them and I can learn from them because, you know, I was in that place where if I'm just feeling something negative, then I have to run from that and I can't experience that. But actually the opposite is true. You have to experience those negative emotions. You have to go through those hard times because without them, you're nothing. You know, it's like really cliche to like say that you know, you need rain to make flowers or whatever, you know, people say, or you need rain to make a rainbow. But it's true in so many ways that if you don't kind of experience the hard stuff for what it is and, you know, be like, you know, this is hard, but I'm not going to let it consume me and become who I am and I'm going to go through it what I'm trying to say, kind of let it become who I am, but not, or let it help me become who I am. I don't know. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is you can't become the person that you are meant to be by just being happy all the time and by just experiencing ease all the time. Because one, you know, you're not going to be well-versed in life, you know. And when those hard things do happen, you're going to collapse under it. And then two, it doesn't make for an interesting story when everything goes right all the time. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Storytelling 101. Basically, you have to go 
through those experiences to turn you into the person that you're supposed to be, which hopefully is someone who has gone through the hard things with resilience and with grit and determination to not let it define who you are and then not let it harden you as a person. You know, a lot of people struggle with the same things, but the people that they can become in light of that are oftentimes drastically different. That's really in your hands. That's on you, you know, because it's in your hands to become a healthier person and a more joyful person and a more healed person. And that takes work. It is work to heal and it is work to become that person that you want your kids to be or you want to pass down in the next generation, you know. It's hard, but it's the only thing that's worth it. And it is. It's worth it because, you know, the person that I am today is a more healed and whole and joyful person than the person that I was when I was 16. And that didn't come overnight. And that didn't come with taking a little pill. And that didn't come with just going to therapy, you know. And it didn't come with just going to church. It was the culmination of all of those things Plus, me putting in the work and me doing the inner work of reflecting on why I feel the way that I feel or why these emotions surface in these events and identifying those triggers and those things um, and then working to heal them. And that takes time. And in the moment, it can feel like too much time and like, you know, will it ever end? But it will. And it will be worth it. Because now the person that I am today, because of kind of the healing work and the heart work that I have done over the years has led me to being a single foster parent and creating this podcast and living a life that, you know, is not easy every single day. God, no. I'm pretty sure I have ulcers from stress right now. But it's a life that at the end of the day I know is worth living and is worth the work to put in. If I can 
encourage you in anything, it would be to keep going and to keep living and to stay when things are hard and when it sucks because there have been seasons, you know, in my life since then that have been hard and that have sucked and that, you know, at times I've felt like I'm back in that very same darkness. But the difference is every time that happens again, I know that it ends because I've experienced it before. And I've seen the ending. And I think that is the biggest thing. Because when you are experiencing severe depression and severe anxiety and severe just mental illness, you don't know that it ends. And you have to get to the other side to experience that. And I think a lot of times it takes somebody saying, I have been exactly where you are and I know that it ends. And that's really my hope and my prayer for this podcast is to be that encouragement and that light and that reminder that Everything we go through in this life is temporary. Every bad thing, every good thing, it's all temporary. And so I think it would do us a lot of good to just be, be present and experience what you are going through in this moment for exactly what it is and not for what you want it to be or not for what it was before but for exactly what you're going through in this moment because this moment will end and a new one will begin and you won't ever have this again. And with that, I think that I (laughs) am overdue to say goodbye. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I hope that Maybe you found comfort in some of the words that I had to say or some of what I've experienced. Um, Please give me all the feedback. Let me know all of the things. And again, if you like these episodes and you want them to continue, please share them with your friends and on your social medias and everywhere. (laughs) I love you guys and I appreciate the support so far and I just appreciate you guys listening to me and I can't wait to continue making episodes. And with that... Have a great weekend or weekday or whatever day it is that you are listening to this. And I'll see you next time.